Amen. Colossians chapter 3. And I'm just going to read the heading at the top. This is the uninspired version. This is the uninspired part that the translators put in my Bible. And it's right above verse 18, and it says, the Christian home. Anybody else have that in their, their Bibles? Paul is now addressing the church, and he's saying specifically, there are roles and responsibilities. There are details, and there are directions. There are places, and there is plans for the Christian home. Whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a boss, whether you're an employee, whether you're a child or a parent, there's something for you to do, something for you to know. And as we understand that God has given to us instruction within the home, it's then going to start first at home and then go into the rest of society and impact the society as God has given to us. Now, let me remind you, Paul has been, it's real good correlation with the new year. Paul's been talking about because you're a Christian, you're now a new man. You've got a new character a new persona, a new depth. You're a new person. But he also gave us a different Greek word for new, and he says you're also being renewed. Even though you're new, once and done, born again, woo Now we're stuck in the already, not yet, and I'm being transformed from glory to glory. And I'm being renewed, my mind and my soul. I'm growing in the things of God. Look at verse one of chapter three. If you have your Bibles open, I have mine open. I'll read it to you. It says, if then, big question, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are sitting above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Stop right there, eyes up here. Paul says, man, you're a Christian. We do things differently. And then he gets real specific in verses 18 through the end. I'm going to read it to you. This is the Christian home. He says, wives, you're saved. Okay, we'll submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, you're saved. Well, husbands, you better love your wives and don't grow bitter toward them. Verse 20, children, you're saved. Well, you better obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Speaking again, verse 21, to fathers. The word there in the Greek is actually interused and it shouldn't say fathers, it should say parents. We'll, we'll say it as it says in the Greek. Parents, verse 21, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So hey, parent, you're a Christian now. There's a way to do your parenting. Verse 22, bond servants. That would be in our day, employees. And that day would be contracted employees or slaves. Verse 22, bond Bond servants obey in all things your masters, according not according to the flesh. Wait, let me read that again. Bond servants obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service, so he means in practicality, as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Why? Because you're saved, and you're supposed to work differently. You're supposed to look at your life differently. Everything you do should be different because you're now a believer. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Is that good news for anybody but me? Man, you're serving the Lord Christ. There is an inheritance for you. Everything you do under the sun is noted by Jesus Christ. Even when your boss doesn't see it, even when your spouse doesn't see it, even when your kids don't see it, because your kids don't see anything good. They don't see anything good at all. And when you're, you know, when when they don't see it, God sees it. I'm just kidding. My kids are in the back. They're really grateful kids. And uh, he goes on though. He says in verse 25, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, I want you guys to know the context of what Paul's getting at here. Because you're believers, okay? Now act like believers at the home first. Everything you do. It's pretty easy to put your Christianity on display on your posts on Facebook. And when you come to church and you put your churchy clothes on and you say your churchy things and you do your churchy business, Paul says, all right, cool, good job. I want this to look real and be real and authentic, producing fruit at home first between couples, between parents and between employers and employees and in the world that we live in. 
And I want us to maybe even in 2022 say, Lord, I want to be new. I want to be changed. And maybe you are a husband. Maybe you are a wife. Maybe you are an employee or an employer. Maybe you are a kid. Maybe you are a parent. Wouldn't it be awesome to say, I want to be a better, better one. I want to be a better one. Whatever you are, I want to grow. Because it's not about me. My body was purchased at a price, and it's now to glorify God. And here's the big idea. Okay, if you say you believe in Jesus, but simply look and act like the rest of the world, okay, your belief in Jesus is suspect. I'm not trying to be a legalist or a weirdo, but if you say you're a Christian, but it doesn't really look like you're a Christian, except on your Facebook profile, like, I'm a Christian, you know, and you put it on there. I was talking to my buddy Adam, and he was saying that when he was youth pastoring in Ashland, he was talking to one of his kids that had some secular friends, and his secular friends asked him about what it means to be a Christian. And so his, one of his students said to his secular friends, he says, oh, it's just like everybody else, except we believe in Jesus. And when he heard that, he's like, that's not, that's not it. Isn't that, isn't that funny? Like, we just think it's a belief system. I just believe differently. Now, if you're a Christian, do you believe differently? Okay, not a trick question. Yeah, you do. You for sure do. You believe in Jesus differently. But that belief will then determine your behavior. That belief is designed to change what you do, change what you do not do, change the trajectory and purpose of your life. Oh, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ now. When Jesus would have believers, people become believers, he would say, hey, put all that stuff down, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. They would drop everything they have and they'd follow him and their whole lives would change. And I say that to come behind what Paul is saying here now. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things above, not things below. And he gives commands. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, you better love your wife unconditionally like Christ did. Parents, don't provoke your kids. Now, culturally and contextually, okay, all of these things were happening. All these things were going on. All these things were the opposite. Parents and kids, they wouldn't have this great relationship and dads were stern and austere and aloof and they weren't part. And now Paul comes and says, no, no, no. Dads, get involved. Be part of the situation, part of the scenario. You serve your wife. You're, you think you're the boss. You think you're the head honcho. You are the head and you will be held accountable, but you're to come under your spouse. You're to come under your kids and you're to lift them up as a servant leader. And you're to be with them in heart and in spirit. So it's not just a matter of what we believe, but how that belief then changes us, all of us. And I just, let me ask this question before I, I just, it's coming to my mind right now. How many of you guys think God knows what he's talking about? So let me ask you a little more, more condescendingly. How many of you guys think God knows what he's talking about, but from time to time, you just don't care and you do your own thing? Okay, less hands, more shame and guilt. We all do it. You read God's word, you're like, meh, meh, And we do our own thing. Every single one of us do. Because God's word is, is exhaustive, man. It's, it's, it covers everything. And we do this, we kind of like, we negotiate with him. We're like, man, that's hardcore. Wives submit to husbands, good luck with that. You know, and husbands love your wives, they ain't doing that. You know, and parents, and this, oh, I'm not doing that. And my boss, man, you don't know my boss. I'm not doing that. And we're like, we just, we're not gonna do it. Let me just say something at the front end. Okay, God knows what he's talking about. 100%. And when you walk in the commands of God, okay, you will experience the freedom of God. And when you walk in the commands of God, you'll experience the favor of God. And when you walk in the commands of God, you'll experience the, the power of God. You just will. 
And you have to do what God says to do even when your flesh, your, your messed up, sinful, selfish flesh doesn't want to do it. Or the culture we live in says, eh, we got a little margin over here and you can see a lawyer for that and that's the Bible. We don't really believe that. And you can, you know, all these other things. And you have to say to yourself, which, which rule book am I going to go by? My own heart, which is deceitful? Or what God has told me to do? Years and years ago, I ran this coffee house. It was called the Good Bean of Ashland. And, and we made bagels, and they were the best bagels on the Western Hemisphere. They still are. They're incredible. And, uh, and we made bagels, and so people would buy them, and we would sell them, and we would trade them. And I had this one particular day. It was a big order, and I needed more bagels than normal. Normally, we'd make nine to 12 dozen bagels every morning at 3 a.m., and, and I needed 23 dozen bagels this day, a big day, like double the, the order. And so what I did is that night, I went in, and I wrote down the amounts and what kinds of bagels I needed, four dozen cheddar scallion. I need four dozen jalapeno Swiss, I need four dozen Parmesan, and I need all the other residual bagels. And I put it out there for my bagler. My bagler, when he showed up at three in the morning, he started bagling. I showed up about nine, maybe 10 a.m., and I was getting ready to get the bagels that I ordered, and he was putting his stuff away, and he was already done. And I was like, wow, how did you get all those bagels done in time? He's like, oh, I didn't. It was too many, was what he said. It was, I just remember this, it was too many. I made 17 dozen, 23 it was way too many. I said, what do you mean too many? Like you ran out of flour, you ran out of product. What? You, no, just too many. I didn't want to do it. Wah! You know, and he didn't realize that there was reasons for these bagels. I had orders to fulfill and things and obligations. And what happens is we look at the list. God puts in order. He says, "This is what I want you guys to do." And we tend to negotiate with ourselves. Well, yeah, seems like a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I really want to do that. And I don't really know if I'm going to participate. And we met, let's just be honest, this is South Beach Church, okay? We do this all the time, okay? And it doesn't, it, it does bring a few questions up, but it, it doesn't jeopardize our salvation because we're not saved by works. Okay, we're saved by one work and it's the work of Jesus Christ. And it's what he's done that saves you. And even when you come up short, when you negotiate, when you blow it, when you compromise, okay? Your salvation is intact because it's through Jesus and Jesus alone. But what you walk in and what you receive and what you experience after that based on your own efforts, okay, will be determined with how successful or use a different word, how obedient you are to what God has asked you to do. It's just the way it is. And so what God wants for the Christian home is to stand out and to stand up and to be a point that people can look to in order that they might find direction and in order that they might find purpose. Now, let me say something about the home. Okay, the very first attack that came was on the home. It's in Genesis chapter three. We see the very first spiritual attack and it came in succession. In chapter three, Adam and Eve were attacked in their marriage. In chapter four, we see Adam and Eve were attacked in their parenting. And there was an attack on the home. And if you don't think that the home and the biblical order for the home are under attack, then you might be in big trouble right now. Every role within God's economy is under attack. Husbands and wives, traditional marriage, natural biology has been thrown out the window and people are going in place of their feelings and desires and perversions where God has given to us his ordinance. I know this is how it is. This is what it is. And we're like, well, we don't, like, we don't want that. We're gonna do it our way. And everybody is guilty at one point in their life of making these decisions. Let me just read to you what it says in 1 Timothy, actually 2 Timothy chapter three. This is Timothy's last 
letter he would receive from Paul, Paul's last writing that he would ever write that we have record of. Paul would say this, he said, but know this, 2 Timothy 3, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away." For of this sort, those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins and led away with various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Stop right there, eyes up there. He keeps going. It's a brutal chapter. And he describes what the world's gonna be like in the end. There's gonna be an attack. There's gonna be an atrophy. There's gonna be a, a, a rotting away. Now, what does Paul give us in Colossians 3? Well, we're going to turn back to Colossians 3 where you guys are at. We're not going to read the rest of that. We're going to run out of time if we do. Paul says, here's how you're supposed to do it. You're saved. Okay, wives, submit to your husbands. Which, by the way, I was going to have Pastor Rory teach this section of Scripture. I just didn't want to teach it, man. Have somebody else come up here and teach about it. Anybody else want to teach wives submit to husbands part? Anybody else want to teach that? Volunteers, volunteers? Okay, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then he goes on to tell husbands they're to love their wives. And he uses the word agape love. This isn't just a responsible love or pay the bills love or put a roof over the house love. This is agape, sacrificial, unconditional, unending, purposeful, intentional, visible, active love. By the way, when this would have been rolled out to the husbands, this would have been brand new on the streets. Nobody was telling husbands what to do. Nobody was telling men what to do. And now through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and here's, here's the big idea, in order to be a reflection of heaven, did you know that the marriage is to be a reflection of heaven, the husband and wife, it's, it's a picture of heaven? And so too, the family is to be a picture of heaven where there's this connection and committedness and this community and this care. How, how, why do you think Satan attacks marriages? and attacks gender roles and identities and confusions and perversions. Why is it getting so crazy in today's day? Because those roles, those responsibilities, those relationships are supposed to be a picture of what God is doing in heaven and how God loves us and the order and the chain of commands and the beauty and the love and all of the protection, all of the things that God has, and yet the world is upside down being attacked by the devil himself. This is why it's important, men. This is why it's important, women. This is why it's important. Moms and dads, this is why it's important. We're under attack right now, just as Paul prophesied. Centuries ago, Confucius said, the strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of its home. And when God commands his dads and moms and kids to do certain things, he knows what he means. Let me give you just a few stats, and I, I, I vacillate on doing this because I don't want to shame anybody or leave on a sad note, but I don't want you guys to think this is optional. They say that in America, uh, about 50% of all divorces, uh, all marriages will end in divorce. Uh, some researchers say that 41%, no matter what, will end in divorce. In 2020, uh, nearly 19 million children were being raised by a single parent. So check this out. That's 25% of children in America right now have one parent, and it's Majority is a, is a mom. About 25% are being raised by dads and dads only. 
25%. As a matter of fact, when they pull the world, all of the world nations, America is at the top in the leaderboard of kids raised by single parents. Uh, let me say this also, if you're a single parent, okay, that doesn't mean that you're not loving, you're not caring, you're not nurturing. Okay, it doesn't mean you can't do it. doesn't mean you're not doing it. Okay, our hearts go out to single moms and single dads that are stepping into that role, loving their kids, doing double work, double provision, double guidance. It's a big deal. But with a brokenness in our heart, we would all say, it's not how it's supposed to be. It's just not, they're supposed to be too. And we live in a broken world. It's not always that way. Sometimes things happen and things get weird. But as we look at how important it is to defend the home, to build the home, Globally, America leads the charge. Russia coming in second with 21% of their homes uh, being led by single parents. Guys, just a few stats. And I, 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 again, I didn't write all these down, but I'll write a few down. Children who have uh, only one parent come from a divorced, divorced home, they're three times more likely in their life to need psychological help. They're more likely to receive lower grades uh, and struggle with education and also uh, work in a lower paying job. Uh, children from divorced families are 50% more likely to experience health problems as they develop. 70% of long-term criminals grew up in broken homes. So 70%, almost three-quarters of people incarcerated came from a broken home. No, no, none of that's new. Is that, that's not new. We would all assume those same stats. And let me just challenge you. One of the greatest things we can do as individuals is to help build godly Christian homes. And this is hard to say because we have so many broken homes here. There's people, I mean, if, if the stats, if it's true, 50%, Okay, half of this crowd here this morning are watching at home online have either divorced your spouse or been raised by just your mom or just your dad. It hasn't gone well for you. There's a lot of pain. This, none of this is condemnation. None of this is shame. This is, all, this is a, a call to arms. Okay, okay, we're in trouble. We gotta make some adjustments and it starts with me. Did you see your role in that list? Husbands and wives and parents and kids and employers and employees. Did you see yourself in that list at all? Okay, hopefully you saw, I saw myself in there a couple times. I know what my job is. I know what I'm to do. I know how to rise up and to do my job as a husband for my wife, Crystal. And as a parent for my kids, Noah, Nemo, and Acacia. And as an employee, okay, to the South Beach Church. And as I work here, and it says, don't just do it for other people looking. You do it as under the Lord. You do it because God's going to reward you for what you do good, and God's going to hold you accountable for what you do bad. That's what it said. Did you see yourself on the list? I hope you did. I hope you did. And as God gives us this instruction, you got to understand that the first institution God founded on earth, the very first one he put together was the home. Genesis 2, he put together the home. I mean, maybe even just go home and just ponder this over some like chicken noodle soup or something like that. Just, you know, later, you sipping it, you know. Why is our country spiraling out of control with confusion in so many ways? It might not be a clean answer. It might not just be one thing. But from the beginning, Satan has attacked the home and the organizational values. And so what we need to do, like it says in Second Chronicles, it says we need to repent and humble ourselves and to ask God to hear us from heaven and have him come heal our, our nation. Beginning with homes, beginning with your home. 
beginning with who you are. And if you're all blasted and you're all upside down and you've been divorced once, twice, or thrice, you're like, oh my gosh, don't go to church. It's horrible. You're going to get yelled at. No, no, no. You plead the blood of Jesus and say, Lord, here I am. Accept me as I am. Restore me, Lord, and help me to be one who bears the truth. Did you know that the person who wrote this book about Jesus and about the church, okay, was a hater of Jesus and a hater of the church previously before he got saved? He was a murderer of Christians, and now he's the chief spokesman. And he would say in Romans chapter eight, there is therefore now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. You made some mistakes, you have some failures, you came up short, okay, join the club. You give it to Jesus Christ and you say, let's go, 2022. I wanna be the best man I can be. I wanna be the best woman that I can be. God has called you women to influence and to purpose and to value and to worth and to service and to responding to Jesus and trusting him for the outcome. And when you stand in that role and defend it, I don't even wanna go there with the political reorientation and of a woman's value and a woman's role. Every role's under attack. And let me just, let's just hit this if we can. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. Verse 18. And the first thing I want you to ask yourself is, are you willing to to do what he says just because he says it? Now, this is to Christians, this directive, these orders, as unto the Lord, as is fitting to the Lord. The word submit there, it's not a popular word for any person. We as a culture don't like this word submit. Isn't this crazy? We as a culture, we don't want to submit to anybody. We hate as a culture, thanks to the Generation Z and the millennials and all these other people, thanks to that, we just want everything to be equal. You have money? Well, I want your money. I want as much money as you. I'm not going to be in this chain of command and I don't want to have any disruptions in order. Everything's got to be balanced and equal. And yet in heaven, there is chain of command, there is order, and there is balance And so this word submit, it literally is a military word, and it means to order yourself under somebody. And it's by way of rank in leadership. Listen, this is important, not value and worth. One of the quick knee-jerk reactions is is that the wives are inferior to husbands because they're, they're second. It's just the order. They're second, so they're inferior. Now, it doesn't take very many years for a husband to be married to realize that his wife is indeed superior. And if husbands, you haven't realized that yet, then you are way inferior. I'm gonna say that again. It doesn't take very many years for husbands to realize that their wives indeed are superior, okay? They know more, they're more capable. Isn't that interesting? And it's not a bad thing to be married. When you get married, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a a good thing. It's a blessing. And while God has given her her role to submit to this man, to follow his lead as unto the Lord, okay, this doesn't mean that she's she's not less than, but instead she's been given that specific purpose and that specific value. When he talks to husbands, he says, husbands, I want you to love your wives as Christ did. And I'm gonna just speak to the husbands and the wives kind of back and forth a little bit and kind of, I don't want to weigh too heavy on any one group. 
I'm so glad it uses this word agape in the Greek, the word love. There's like five or six different Greek words for love, and it chooses this one. Because when a couple gets married, usually they get married for a lot of different reasons. They're in love with each other. She's hot. He's hot. They want to be together. You know, all those things. They're in love. It's really fun. It's super exciting and all these things. And, but eventually, in order for that marriage to keep producing fruit, you've got to go to a different gear. You have to, husbands, go to a different gear of loving your wife unconditionally, sacrificially, to the end, like Christ loved the church. And Christ gives us his example, the way he served the church, the way he gave himself for the church, the way he led the church, taught the church, protected the church, and provided for the church. Okay, it was unconditional. It wasn't contracts. It was him giving himself over. And he tells the husbands here, don't grow bitter towards your wife. Don't go harsh towards your wife because husbands have a capacity, a proclivity to all love you as long as you're lovable. You are called to love and to serve and to give and to die and to sacrifice and to provide. By the way, husbands, if you're waiting for like your next cue in marriage, you're waiting for your next kind of instruction, it's right here. Do it. Get off your blessed assurance and do it. And when you do that for your spouse, when your spouse, when your wife feels loved, cared for, provided, okay, did you know that she'll have very little trouble submitting to you and falling under you because she trusts you, because she loves you, because she sees you? And it'll create this perfect cycle, this perfect circle, where as that wife is loved and cared for and pursued and valued, she then responds and says, I trust you. I will follow you. I'll pray for you. I'll help you. She's actually in the Greek, she's a helpmate. She comes alongside of, influences her husband, aids her husband. Women have great value and influence. You know that men need their wives so bad. Thank you. So bad. I ha- I've been married 21 years this June, and I'll tell you what, as I grow in my appreciation of Crystal and the value and the worth and the wisdom and the insight that she brings to the family, and not just to the family, but to our marriage, not just to our marriage, but to the ministry. And as I humble myself and say, hey, the Lord brought you here for so many reasons and the wisdom that he's put in you. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter three that husbands are to dwell with their wives with understanding. That is that a husband's role and responsibility is to double click on his wife, okay? And expand and get to know and go deeper and to dwell and to learn over and over and over until the rest of their days have been lived together. And as a wife and husband do this together, it's beautiful And it causes then there to be fruit. Let me give you five things about biblical roles though. Because you have a role, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a woman. Okay, I already said this, but if you're writing these things down, this doesn't mean that the wife is less valuable, less intelligent, or less competent. Okay, number two, this doesn't mean that wives are inferior to husbands. Kind of the same idea. But your wife will have things to bring to the equation that are going to be valuable for you. I remember I had a conversation over here in the sanctuary about three or four years ago, maybe five years ago, and I talked to a husband. He was here at the church. His wife wasn't here. And I had some questions about a particular matter, and and it made sense to talk to him, not her. It just made sense in my mind. And so when I asked this particular guy these specific questions, he looked at me, and he said, you should probably talk to my wife about those things. And I was taken back. I was like, wow, I... Don't know why that is, but I'll do it. And so I went over to their house and I talked and it was so cool to see the value and the wisdom that she had and the unity that they had. Did you know that there's different strengths and different weaknesses that husbands and wives aren't pre-programmed biblically that it'll say you have? Okay, just because you're a wife or just because you're a husband doesn't mean you're the talker, you're the strong one, you're the extrovert, you're the introvert. God has made you uniquely you. 
And this is beautiful when a husband and wife come together and say, oh, my wife's really good at that stuff. Let's bring her into the conversation. Oh, my wife really has an insight on that. Let's make sure. Oh, you know, I'm gonna talk to my wife about that because she knows a lot of things and she sees things differently and vice versa. Oh, I'm gonna talk to my husband about that. And he knows that's his role and responsibility. I'm gonna honor this couple that has come together. And so it doesn't mean that one is inferior or superior. Number three, it doesn't mean that the wife can't seek to influence her husband. Some husbands, you need to ask your wife, is this a good decision? Are we making the right decision? Are we going the right direction? and trust the Holy Spirit to speak through your wife. Can I get an amen from some husband out there? Man, I have seen the Holy Spirit speak through my wife this things that we need to walk in and to walk away from the things that we shouldn't be walking in. I trust the Lord. But that was kind of the whole preface of this roles and responsibilities. Do you think God knows what he's talking about? Do you think God understands what he wants for you and from you? I mentioned this last week. It also doesn't mean that personalities are determined uh, by the Bible. You guys have different uh, values that come from the way that God has made you. And the fifth thing I would say about roles and responsibility, whether it comes husbands and wives or kids or employees, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it in a way that's open-handed New Testament. These are volunteer roles. Love compels us. The most, the, what's going to make you the most beautiful husband, beautiful wife, beautiful parent, beautiful child, beautiful employer, employee, is when the love of Jesus Christ compels you to do these things. We're not under the law anymore, okay? These are commands, are they not? These, are, these aren't suggestions, these are commands. If you then being raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, then he goes on to tell us what to do. But when you're motivated by love and you say, well, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna protect the home, Because I've got a few more things. Let me just put this out there. This is with all relationships. Okay, this is just some wise practical points that I've learned along the way. Uh, number one, make more deposits than you make withdrawals. In a relationship, whether it's with your parents or with your, your kids or with your family or with your spouse, okay? In, in your spouse and in your relationships, you're going to have to make withdrawals, but you also get to make deposits. Deposits are when you pour into somebody, you acknowledge them, you see them, you value them, you speak to them, you care for them, and you're depositing into their emotional well-being. Withdrawals are those times where you need to have that come to Jesus conversation as a mom or dad with the kids or as a husband or wife with your spouse and say, hey, we gotta come to the table and talk about some stuff. We gotta get real, we gotta get some things in order. Make more deposits than you make withdrawals. I would also say keep having fun as you guys get older, as you have your families. Some people get so stressed out and so weirded out and so old and stuffy, man, you stop having fun and... Most of you probably married somebody at one point in your life that you're having fun together. This is fun, we're having fun. And like two days later, you're like, this isn't fun. It's important for you dads to lead the family, create memories, spend some money, don't be a tightwad, have fun with your family and then support each other as you guys continue to develop, as you guys continue to grow. Find out who God has made you each to be. And the last thing I'm gonna say is this. I think this is gonna be really profound. I don't know about you, but I'm in a relationship with a bunch of, bunch of people, men and women. Okay, I'm doing life and I talk to people. But I would put something on the men. I'm a man, so I want to put something on the men. Men, let's champion this cause for the rest of our lives. This is our rules, our roles, our command is to love our wives and to not frustrate our children, to live and to serve and to cover the people in our lives that matter the most. And so here's what I want the dudes to do. Let's champion this cause with each other. Let's ask each other, are you doing this? Are you loving your wife unconditionally? Are you loving her sacrificially? 
Is she the most important thing to you? Does she feel cared and valued? Yesterday, my wife and I went to the gym and worked out, and kids stayed home, and we were driving back, and we went to the car wash and drove through the car wash, and, and so I said, hey, honey, last week I asked the congregation to do homework and ask the questions, you know, what makes you feel loved and what makes you feel uh, valued, and so there in the car wash, I said, hey, babe, what, what makes you feel loved and cared for, and so she started crying. It was awesome. And, it, you know, what she essentially said was, is, is I just feel the most loved when, when you really care about where I'm at, what I'm going through, and what's going on with me. When you really care, not just with your phone in your hand, how's it going, what's going on, what's the schedule, and you're doing work. Okay, we call that shoulder-to-shoulder seasons, where you're just working, you're just kind of feed the kids, you know, get the thing, do the stuff, how's it going, you know, you're doing okay, but more face-to-face. And that's what she feels the most loved, the most cared for. And while she's saying this, I'm writing it down because I'm not a dummy. I'm writing it down. Because I can think she feels loved if I buy her stuff or do stuff, and those are valuable, those are important. But if she tells me exactly what it, feel, what it means to her, I want to be able to grow in that. And I want you guys to hold me accountable in that. And so for the wives, the Bible says that wives are to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord, to raise their kids without frustrating them. Wouldn't it be awesome if the women were to hold the women accountable and say, are you doing this? Are you walking in this? Are you trusting the Lord in this? Do you need prayer in this? Do you need help in this? And as the men tell the men, as the men hold the men accountable, and as the women pray for the women and hold the women accountable, as we champion this cause, as we defend the home, it's under attack right now. I'm not going to predict or forecast that things are actually going to get better. Okay? Globally and nationally, they're just not. Read 2 Timothy 3 again. It's coming in for a crash landing. And you and I, the church, were to be different. We're to provoke the world to jealousy in a way that causes them to say, why are you guys so different, man? We're over here doing our own thing and the world's just smelling crazier and crazier and crazier and yet you guys are, you're different. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Next week, we're gonna move a little faster. We're gonna get into the practicalities of raising families, working a job, what it looks like to do all things is under the Lord and bearing fruit in all seasons. But would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray and ask the Lord to give us the anointing and the leadership necessary. Maybe you're here this morning again and you've been divorced maybe more than once. It hasn't gone well for you. Maybe your kids aren't walking with the Lord. There's too much water under the bridge and all this is very painful for you to sit there and say, man, I didn't do it right. I didn't, I didn't do it right at all. Did you know that your testimony, did you know that your story, did you know that your redemption is just as powerful as a person or a family that maybe has done things better? And you can stand and you can say, yeah, Jesus has forgiven me. Jesus has healed me. Jesus has delivered me. And you can be a lifeline of hope and forgiveness for those in the world who've ruined everything, who've lost everything. And so, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would make us, Lord, exactly who you want us to be, that the men, Lord, would rise into the position of leading their families, loving them unconditionally, serving them, tending to them like a gardener. I pray in Jesus' name for anointing in that, Lord. I pray for the wives, that you would bless them, Lord, that you would heal them in those areas, Lord, where there's bitterness, where there's mistakes that have been made, that there would be love flowing 
And we pray, Lord, for the relationship between parents and kids in Jesus' name, for, Lord, a fresh wind and a fresh fire to fight for our kids. This world is trying to take our kids away from you and down the wrong path. I pray in Jesus' name for wisdom for parents, Lord, and for teachers and for influencers that, Lord, we would rally for the kids and, Lord, we'd fight for them. And, Lord, we pray for all those who work for people and for having people work for them that the church of Jesus Christ would be different. You said, Lord, that we have the aroma of Christ. Lord, some people have been called to singleness. Some people have been called to marriedness. Some people have been called female. Some people have been called male. Lord, you made us exactly how we are. And I pray in Jesus' name, we'd settle in, let you use us in the way you see fit. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that this best would be yet to come, that you'd bless 2022. We commit all of 2021 to you, Lord. Bless this church, bless the school, bless the missions, bless all that's going on. Even today, Lord, at 1 p.m., as people gather for a lunch and learn about CR, I pray that men and women say, let's do it. Let's invest. We have a pulse. We have a purpose. Let's go for it. And I thank you, Jesus, for all you've done and all you're going to do. We commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys. You are dismissed. Tuesday, don't forget Tuesday CR here, but there's a meeting today at 1 p.m. with lunch at the offices. Other than that, I love you guys. God bless you. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., we'll be praying at the international terminals as well. Show up there if you want to support as we pray for our Alaskan fleet. You guys are dismissed. <laughs>